since today to hear your word to know your word to act on your word to be blessed by your word to prosper by your word in every area of our lives and we will prosper and be in health as our souls prosper and we thank you Lord for the ability to serve you and to desire to serve you even more in Jesus name amen praise God praise God so today we're talking about the fact that forgiving is forgetting amen forgiving is forgetting Uh, just so we can be clear on what God expects uh, us to carry out in his idea of forgiveness uh, it's it's often said by people I'll forgive but I won't forget and I always say they really haven't forgiven Uh, sometimes people will say they've forgiven but when given an opportunity they will continue to recite offenses and talk about things that people did in the past and all of that kind of stuff it's and I think sometimes it's because people don't have enough confidence in the future you know sometimes people get stuck in a mindset of rehearsing offenses and old things and and things negative things that have happened in the past don't know how how to move forward into the future and perhaps have not experienced the forgiveness of God for themselves Uh, the forgiveness is granted by the work of the cross it's granted and it's possible for everybody to be forgiven of everything Jesus died for the sins of the world and so he died for the iniquity of the world as well so it's not just the things that you do the deeds but it's also the desires and and those are that's the very important part of it I think under the Old Testament people saw that the the thou shalt nots as long as they were acts they could look at that and say well I might be able to do that but when it talked about what you desire on the inside of yourself that's a little toughy you know covetousness how can you look at something and not want it you know uh, depending on who it belonged to and so that's the iniquity part the desire for forbidden things is is what what he died for as well so the work of the cross is a complete and total work it did took care of everything that was against us and stood between us and God if you read the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 28 it explains clearly the blessings and the curses the blessings for obedience curses for disobedience God laid out a law and that told people and taught them right from wrong if people don't believe sin makes you stupid then why did this whole Bible have to be written you understand what I'm saying so so to live as a sinner there's no accomplishment there there's nothing good there you know we're we're people who are worthy to be saved but our deeds our thoughts our actions are just evil all the time without God you got me and so there's nothing to to uh, commend us in the flesh even Paul said that his best works in the flesh were nothing he counted as dung compared to what God had in store for him and the excellency of the life in Christ and so we can't give any kind of of, uh, sanction to the works of the flesh it's all wickedness and so God has a way to deal with it that's the important thing that we have to remember and we have to get across to ourselves so it's one 
thing to know or understand or hear or believe that your sins are forgiven but it's another thing to totally live it out living it out is the, the difficult thing the enemy's there all the time to bring to our remembrance things that we have done wrong sometimes you'll run into people who they love to talk about old times and talk about you know what you did bad and all this kind of stuff and so it's there's these remnants of stuff that are always left the shadows the vestiges the ashes of the past life that try to come to life on us that if we will stay in righteousness and stay in the mindset that God created us to stay in they won't hurt or hinder us there are times too when they operate in an unconscious fashion sometimes we'll act out behaviors based on things that we used to really believe and we don't really believe them anymore but they haven't been rooted out of our our mindset yet you know so we're we're a work in progress at all times but if we'll stay in righteousness we'll we'll get the best of what God has for us and we'll begin to understand the full of his forgiveness uh, because it is full it forgives deeds and it forgives desires and that's the, the wonderful thing about God he do, does things totally and he does things fully in Joshua chapter 24 we see how God feels about sin he's not lax on sin so anybody who thinks God's love means that he doesn't really hate sin is totally mistaken Joshua Joshua 24 and verse 18 and the people drove out from before us all the people even the Amorites this is Joshua in his last day summing up uh, his the the history of the children of Israel and he's giving them a warning he's leaving them with a warning not to forget God and don't turn away from him and don't start serving these other gods as you often want to do he says the Lord did drive out those people from before us even the Amorites which dwelt in the land therefore we will also serve the Lord for he is our God and Joshua said to the people you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God he is a jealous God he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake him and serve strange gods he will turn away from you and do you hurt and consume you after he has done you good so what he's saying here is the same God who does you good if you obey him will turn away from you and not do you good if you disobey him you see that in people's lives every day you know we try to think well you know God's not mean he's not but God's holy and he means what he says he's not excusing sin to the unrighteous to cover that up and blanket it and we don't have to either as believers you know we say love the sinner hate the sin we try to make some kind of sense of this but really if if we will just be obedient to God and love people and share Christ with them but not excuse anything that they've done on our own our own will you got me you're not in the position to excuse people from their sin you didn't die for anybody you didn't you you don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in see this is not your program to call and so we have to get out of the place of being God in that respect folks and and just stay with what stay with your assignment he didn't sign you to absolve people he does that 
after they've been obedient to his word then he applies the absolution because you look around at people who have not really repented of their sins they're just as carnal and crazy and silly as they always were but then there's a church full of them and and church people are telling them they're all right and that ain't right you got me it ain't right and so our job really is to preach the gospel to all people so that they can come into a real knowledge of God not this religious crazy stuff but a real knowledge of God so it's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world he did it for the whole world and so God set up then under the old covenant system of worship sacrifices and offerings so that we could worship him without fear so you can come to God this is what separates us from uh, your your sinner friends that you know when you talk about worshiping God they don't want to have anything to do with it because they're on the other side they don't know what God wants with them they fear God wants them so that he can punish them or kill them or do them bad there's this great fear there an unhealthy fear of God but once that that repentance is done on their part and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit come to dwell in then we have peace with God he's our friend and we're no longer afraid to go worship him we're no longer afraid to be in his presence and that's what God died to provide for all of us so he has forgiven and forgotten if he hadn't forgotten we'd still be afraid to contact him you got me and so is this this thing that God has done for us is total and it's complete and he expects us to share that with the whole world and so in forgiveness we can share that with the whole world and so what does it mean to forgive so we'll we'll define that word so you get an understanding of, of what God means and it means to grant pardon or remission of an offense or or debt so you are granting pardon you're granting pardon of an offense or a debt which means that debt must first be recognized got me this is what how how we get into trouble sometimes trying to spare the homosexual of you know all of that junk that they always bring to us all the time and accuse us of being haters and all of that it's not our job uh, uh, to cover that over and make it not a sin and that's what people are trying to do but that debt must be recognized if 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 i owe you uh ten dollars and you tell me well well don't worry about that you know i gotta recognize i owe it to you first you got me you bought something for me you handed me the bill it amounted to ten dollars and then if you tell me i don't have to pay it i must have recognized that i owed that to you to start out with and that's really the basis of forgiveness there has to be a recognition of debt and a recognition of indebtedness if the homosexual never recognizes his sin as a debt he will never repent of it and turn away from it and get his salvation see this is what he needs his salvation once he comes over on the other side saved then all this other stuff can go away but it can't go away until the debt is recognized that's how you and I came to Christ 
I don't know about you, but I was very scared of hell, and that's when I started to cry out to God. I was aware that if I died, I was never, ever, ever certain, given a certainty about going to heaven. Now that thought doesn't even bug me anymore. You understand what I'm saying? I can stay around and live, or I can die, whatever. I'm still going home to be with the Lord. You got me? So I have no fear of that anymore. So I know forgiveness in that I don't have have that fear and that's what we all need that's where we all start so it means to grant pardon or remission of an offense or a debt and it means also to absolve when you absolve somebody you render them free from an obligation or consequences of guilt or blame so with indebtedness and with sin comes guilt comes blame and comes an awareness of an indebtedness it means to also to to forgive means to give up a claim on account of or to grant a pardon to grant a pardon now it's interesting in the in the criminal justice world a pardon is different from uh, you're serving your term of imprisonment one you're indebted and you carry a record of that offense with you you know because that's our system people feel they need to know if you've been in jail before and so forth but when you receive a pardon that means that guilty verdict is set aside and it looks favorably on your record a pardon looks favorably upon your record and so we have been pardoned that word to to forgive also means um, the process by which the offended person or the victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding the offense that's a pretty powerful thing that you undergo a change if you're the offended person or the victim you undergo a change in your feeling and attitude regarding the offense and it lets go of negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well see that's why forgiving is forgetting you have an increased ability to wish the offender well sometimes you can think back and you'll think about things that people did to offend you and you think to yourself you know what I probably never forgave that person of that that's why I still feel negative toward them or negative about that situation this is different from condoning that's what you don't have the power to do we have no power to condone sin and that is condoning really means to fail to see the action as wrong and in need of forgiveness so we have no power as as believers children of God humans period to condone sin that means to render it as not wrong anymore or excusing it that means not holding the offender as responsible for his actions pardoning forgetting removing awareness of the offense from the consciousness so that's also what 
what uh, uh, forgiving is. It's removing awareness of the offense from our consciousness. That's the forgetting part. And reconciliation. So forgiveness entails all of that. It entails removing an awareness of that offense from our consciousness and reconciliation or restoration of the relationship. In a legal sense, forgiveness of an a debt of a debt or an offense also implies giving up all claims on account of a debt, a loan, an obligation, or other claims. So we all want to be forgiven of certain things. You understand what I'm saying? It's a blessing when your debt is forgiven, when your iniquities are covered, when your sins are forgiven, when your the wrong that you do is not held against you anymore. It's forgiven. It's acknowledged by you and it's experienced by you as wrong, but then you can come into a place where that forgiveness takes place and you get all all of these benefits you know you're being restored to relationship you can be reconciled all claims against you are given up <clears throat> there's no penalty levied against you anymore there's nothing being held against you between you and that individual that you have wronged now the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God there's nobody who's perfect in that sense And so we have to understand that we all start out the same way. And so we have to come to God the same way. Everybody has to come by way of repentance and be forgiven because of the shed blood of Jesus. And so when we understand that, that we we understand also that we have to come to God the way God wants us to come to him. That's the first thing about recognizing the fear of the Lord. We recognize there's got to be a way for us to get this bad feeling off of us. And so we seek God for his remedy. We don't do it our way anymore. And that's the the wonderful thing about God. When we humble ourselves and, and admit that we're not worthy to just walk through life. Having done our transgressions and our sins and and expect good to come. That's when you fall before God. See if you're in sin and you still expect good to come with no penalty. You haven't become awareness. The awareness of of the need for repentance has not come to you. And I think one of the things that helps that more than anything is prayer and intercession. Because I think there are a lot of our, our loved ones who are just hanging on the edge. If we would pray for conviction and pray for God just making them aware. Make them aware that they need to ask you and that you will forgive them. You know, you're a good God and you will forgive them of their sins and their iniquities. Because many times we get people to make a confession of faith or a confession of, of uh, you know, and get them born again. And then we see nothing else after that. And see, we know there's something wrong. We know there's something not right. You know, your kids can't be saved and not come to church. That's not a salvation. Come on now. You, this, they would do what you do. You saved, you go to church. And so sometimes we'll realize that, you know, it's a whole lot tougher to get people really over in there. It takes more commitment, more diligence, more desire to see them in the freedom that God has put you in. You know, instead of trying to condone uh, their life and say, well, I believe they got saved when they said that. Well, why don't we see fruit and we don't see evidence? 
something. There's got to be some evidence of a relationship with God in a person's life. And think about what kind of life they're living. If they don't have that freedom with God. They don't have that peace with God. They don't have a sense that they can go to God with their needs. They're missing something. They're missing the best part of this. And so it's good to keep that before the Lord. God you know I really want to see them serve you. I want to see them get the benefit of this life. I want to see them in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to see them not have to keep going to the doctor for a rash or a cough or something like that. I want to see them uh, live fully in the the knowledge of you and that's not wrong I think that's totally right to want for people totally right because if they don't have that they don't have what you have and and why should you have it and they not have it see you're not special you're just enlightened and so you want that enlightenment that's how people really get enlightened others who are in the light desire more for them you desire a better life for them and you go to God for it And so when God forgives, he takes care of all of those things. He heals. Forgiveness is always coupled with healing. Always coupled with healing. Our more very popular scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14. God is able to even heal a land if people will turn away from their wicked ways see people are always talking about well America you know we've fallen from what we used to do yeah we can get back up my goodness come on now the Bible says that though you fall you're not utterly cast down if you trust in God you know and, and God's not quick to let people take this country away from him if his people will stand up for it they're just in darkness you know and darkness is so much weaker than light amen there's, there's no power there there's just the illusion of power you know the devil the bible says walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he he can devour can he devour us no he can't because we serve the living God and we'll declare it he can't devour us because we're serving God so forgiveness and healing are very much connected and a whole nation can be healed if my people not not the sinners my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what I expect. He's looking for us to fall on our knees. He's not looking for the world to do this. It's up to us to do this and move the plan of God along. So God wants us to, to humble ourselves and turn away from your wicked ways. You know, and, and, and ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive and he will heal. Psalms 103.3. 103. Why don't you turn there because I had a couple things in that psalm. I was going to show you. Psalm 103 and verse 3. And verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. In fact, it says it twice. Like the writer started out saying, just saying, bless the Lord. And then he thought about something else. He said, oh Lord, bless the Lord on my soul again. And forget not all his benefits. He just reminded me of them. Who forgives all. All, 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 all. All, all, all. You know why sometimes we think he doesn't forgive them all? Because we put a, a hierarchy in there. We put a value on them. These little ones, they don't count. And then to, then you get to the big ones and then that puts a hammer down on you. You know, that kind of thinking always blows up on you. But he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from re- destruction. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. 
He saw that in in the, before Calvary. Redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Amen. That's the the crown is the final touch in your your garb you know it's like God's dressing you and he said oh yeah before I forget let me put this on your head before you go loving kindness and tender mercies he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles I remember asking God uh, one time and I I did pretty well as long as I would meditate on that and and then the devil stole it from me but (laughs) I told us, I said, Lord, if you satisfy my mouth with good things, let me be satisfied eating only things that are good for me. And I was doing real good with it. I probably lost about 20 pounds or so. And then I let the devil steal it from me. <laughs> I started looking at them Twinkies. Oh, Lord, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Forget that. Oh, oh benefits. They're the benefits. <laughs> I was having celery and carrots and broccoli and all that kind of stuff, and then a Twinkie right after it. So, but I'm gonna still confess my, I'm gonna still confess my, satisfy my mouth with things that are good for me. So, but in uh, verse 12, as oh, okay, it says here, as far as heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. So you know east and west never meet. So God never meets you up, meets up with you. If you come to the throne room and you come repentant and you get in there, he'll never tell you how bad you've been. Huh? He'll never tell you what he don't like about you. He'll never tell you what your shortcomings are. He will only remove that from you as far as the east is from the west. Which means he doesn't want you to to see it anymore. He doesn't intend for you to have any contact with it anymore. He's not the one who's constantly bringing up your past to you. Huh? He's not the one. That's not coming from God. So he has a standard of forgiveness. He has a standard of that. In Jeremiah 31. Let's see what we have there. Jeremiah 31. In verse 33 he says but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days saith the Lord I will put my law in their inward parts. So you've got to be forgiven to have that process. Put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord. The Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. Now we saw there he forgave our transgressions. He forgives our iniquity and remember their sin no more. 
So under the new covenant he remembers our sin no more. If he is living in you, if you extend forgiveness to someone, it is the same forgiveness that God has extended toward you. There's not two forgivenesses and there's no bogus forgiveness and there's no second Second hand, there's no altering of God's forgiveness. It can't be monkeyed with and messed with. And so if you don't want your you don't want your forgiveness messed with, you don't mess with anybody else's. Don't go around saying this stupid stuff, I forgive, but I don't forget. That's so so small. You know, it really is. And it's a lie. It's not true. Because if you truly let God have these things, he does the same eraser job with people's offenses toward you that he does with with the ones that you commit. And many times people who harbor unforgiveness toward others don't have the assurance of forgiveness of their own sins. Because they carry that nonsense with them and they think God's continuing. You know, people say, well I don't know what I'm doing wrong. That's, that's because you've already condemned yourself because you don't understand the fullness of God's forgiveness toward you. I, I believe if people would meditate long enough on the basics of their salvation. You know what I'm saying? Just just the primary things that God has done for us and get that ingrained in you then you'll be able to extend that to other people and bless other people with that if you can operate in that type of knowledge just that much you you'd be a powerhouse for God because you wouldn't go around trying to absolve people of their sin making light of 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 uh you know certain things that are just just totally against God's law you don't have to do that and once you know you're forgiven you extend the right type of forgiveness to others it's God's forgiveness it's not something man-made and made up and so the new age forgiveness is something that we have to stay away from as believers and the new age people don't think anybody's everybody's good you know and you got a mixture of karma and foolishness and nonsense and then and there's a lot of hatred in there because there's not any forgiveness from the world it's just a patronizing foolishness that they want to cover everybody's it's a fig leaf it's one big fig leaf that they all hide underneath so you don't want that you want to stay with God's standard of forgiveness so he says your sins your iniquities he doesn't remember anymore it's a very high standard that God creates for our forgiveness it's the highest it's the greatest it'll do more for us and that very high standard he's imputed to us so we don't have two kinds of forgiveness he says they will be remembered no more even repeats it in the book of Hebrews your sins and iniquities he remembers no more so the first of all we know that God's forgiveness is number one it's impartial it is impartial it does not matter who it's given to it sees no big people little people big offense little offense anything that's uh, confessed and you want to turn away from it God will forgive you of it so in, in its impartiality you see in John 3.16 and that's our familiar scripture and it tells us that God so loved the world he loves everybody and the way he proves that is not minimizing their wrong 
That's not love. It's not love when we tell people God understands. It's not love when we tell we start ordaining homosexuals and condoning sin in the church and you know people still try to keep a church together and they've already been exposed uh in their sin adultery and all that kind of stuff in the pulpit and and, and just people just keep going. You know people submit to people not often as unto the Lord. You know that, don't you? If you submit to somebody as unto the Lord, you hear from God about them. You know, God has spared us many times of being connected with people before they fell. He just have us disconnect for them two years later down the road. You find out they're messed up. I said, thank God you warned us before that happened that we didn't get caught up in it. Because many times you'll try to keep relationship with somebody and, and based on your feeling. And then in your pride, you don't want to be wrong. You know, you take on their guilt and their blame and their uh, sin and their offense and you try to cover it up just by continuing with them and not disconnecting. Somebody's in sin, you disconnect from them. Don't get stupid, you know. Uh, Good company, bad company corrupts good manners. You know, people always say, well, uh, I'm still their friend, really. You know, who are they friends with? Oh, your your uh, family you can't divorce, but everybody else you can put your make yourself distant from them. Well, they didn't do anything to me. They did something to your God. Does that mean anything? You know, this is what get it got Israel in trouble. Finding neighbors next to them. What are you doing up there? Uh, I'm sacrificing my children to Baal. Well, that looks kind of interesting. Sometimes we need to disconnect from bad associations so God can make room for in our lives for right ones. That's the only way he works. You can't, you know, grab on to people and go down with them and then want to condone every wrong thing they do. Huh? That's the only way you can get along with rebellious people. You gotta compromise. They're not gonna compromise and come over and serve your God. You gotta do all the compromising. And so you have to stand your ground. If your God if you love God and he means something to you, you gotta get that stuff out of your heart. You gotta learn how to make the right association with the right people at the right time. Listen, I was married. My husband many times didn't want to go to church, didn't want to do certain things, didn't want to serve God. But he never stopped me from doing it. Why? I prayed and I told God. I said, God, you straighten him out. I said, if he's trying to keep me from serving you, I want this nipped in the bud right now. Because me and you, it's like that. Huh? They can go where they don't have to go. You know, you pray for them and you want the best for them. But that they don't let your so-called connection. See, what that is, that's a pride, folks. We don't want to believe people are as messed up as they are. You don't. I thought they really loved God. I thought they really, well you, well, you were wrong. Or whatever, maybe they did love, but that's not your call. Your thing is you keep going. See, you keep going. You don't let your heart get connected with somebody in the wrong way. And they don't want the God that you serve. Hello? (laughs) Grow up.
Let's grow out of our feelings and grow into really being mature in God. See, because see, when those people want an example to follow, when God snaps them out of their stupor and they want an example to follow, and you're over here in the pit with them, they're not you're not helping to them. You've got to be on your feet in order to help people. Jesus was always on his feet, even when he went around and had dinner with publicans and sinners. It was to fellowship with them and show them the Father's love. But he didn't go home and sleep with them and stay with them and call them up and texting them all the time and trying to you know what I'm saying. Let's get real here, folks. You're not that pathetic that you need to you know compromise God to stay friends with people let's get real here so the love of God is impartial John 3 16 God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever uh, that's anybody everybody can be saved whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so that's God's bottom line he doesn't want those people to go to hell he wants them to have everlasting life and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world see if we let the Holy Spirit do the work they'll be convicted without condemnation you know, so you don't have to heap any blame on them. You don't have to heap anything on people. You just share share Christ with them. And if you share it and let God work through you, instead of you trying to fix it up the way you think it ought to be, he says, but that the world through him might be saved. So he didn't send his son to condemn the world. That's different from religion. I don't care how relaxed religion is. At some point it will condemn you. It's like all the, the hippies uh, that were there was during the hippie movement in the 60's. There was a, a Jesus movement there. And I believe all those new age people that swung over to the new age were really souls that should have been claimed for Christ. But instead of them going through the straight gate of repentance, they found that there was this other culture out there working that would accept them. Just like the Buddhists. They'll let you chant, but you don't have to do anything. There's no atonement there to, to invite you into their chanting experience. They let everybody do it. So the Christians, because we have a standard, you have to come by way of the gospel. You have to turn away from your sins and repent and then God accepts you and gives you his Holy Spirit. Which is much better than chanting. But see, they'll let you play with religion that's a toy you play with on your way to hell if you don't ever come up to the knowledge of Christ. You got me? It's just giving you something to amuse yourself with. And claim your, you know, and then then they add to it. Well, then you gotta you gotta do yoga, and you gotta have all this funny food, and you you gotta have free range chickens because you know uh, the bad people uh, pin the chickens up the whole time they're alive, and then they kill them. We let them run around first before we kill them. Telling you sin will make you stupid. And religion is the evidence of how stupid sin is. It really is. Because people will make these things up and they say, oh yeah, you got to do that. You know, uh. Now everybody's a vegetarian. A bunch of liars. <laughs> All you got to do is wave the right chicken wing under their nose. 
at the right time with the right kind of barbecue sauce on it. Is that vegan? Uh-uh. With meat. I like it. I'm going to bless it and throw down. <laughs> God was the first one to kill an animal, folks. Got me? Adam and Eve had no understanding to do that. God was the first one that did it. Do you understand me? People like to judge God. Sinners love doing it. Religious people love doing it. That's their that's how they get their power. That juices them up. God's forgiveness is offered to everybody. It's offered to everybody freely. That's the greatest thing that we have going for us as believers. We can offer that forgiveness to everybody. It's good to start with forgiveness. If there are sinners in your midst and and you can forgive them and, and you can offer, extend that to them, it's wonderful. Because they see God's love in action that way. That's part of our witness as believers. God also tells us if we have anything against anybody we are to forgive. That is a mandate. That is so what God wants us to do. That's the one thing that if we don't do it he won't do that for us. You understand what I'm saying? He's so tight about that. that and, and this is how Christianity is different from other religions. Our forgiveness is real. It's not just lip service. Because ours is backed up by a work on the cross that validated and provided for this forgiveness. No other religion, if you ask any other of the religions, even the Christian cult religions, how are your sins taken care of? Well, you know, we're all born, so they always go back to what they're born in and all that kind of stuff. If there's no blood atonement in it, there's no forgiveness there, folks. So you can forget getting, getting, you know, putting your sanction on that. So he says if you have ought against anybody forgive. That your father which is in heaven can forgive you. And if you do not forgive them their trespasses neither will your father. He withholds it from you. In the measure that you give forgiveness you are forgiven folks. Let's not forget that. Don't forget it. Sometimes when you don't feel quite right, you need to check yourself out. This person you're mad at and all this kind of stuff and still don't want to be around them. All that kind of nonsense. We got to get over that, folks. We we really got to get over that. In Luke 23 and verse 34, we see one of Jesus' last acts on earth while he was on the cross. And I believe this is where the sins of the world were spoken to be forgiven. Because it's extended to anybody who has sinned. It was our sin. All the sin of the world that put Jesus to death. Not just those people who have to be living at that time. 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them for they know not what they do. It even moved the the thief that was being crucified next to him. To take another look. 
Once Jesus mouthed that, there must have been an answer from heaven of some type type of conviction, at least that that one thief picked up on, because he he was the uh, verse thirty nine. It says one of the malefactors which were hanged uh, railed on him, saying, "If you're the Christ, save yourself and us." But the other answering rebuked him, saying, "Don't you fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation?" In other words, you hanging there too. It's about time. I mean, come on now. You ain't got much time left, brother, to be acting like this. Now, don't be stupid eternally. He said, we justly receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Hmm? Now, he only knew that by the Spirit of God. That revelation of the innocence of Christ. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, I sure will. I sure will. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And so there's provision made for all forgiveness. Provision made for all of them. So that that prayer that Jesus made, interceding even at the point of death. He wanted nothing on his soul to stand between him and the Father. Because that that offense was against him personally. When they were mocking and they were cruel and all that kind of stuff. He had to forgive people. So that he could go into the Father's presence sin free. Man all human souls have to do that. So here Jesus takes his. His offense to the Father just like we have to take our offenses to the Father. He followed up after his resurrection by empowering the believers who were there to forgive sins. So in John chapter 20 and verse 19. The same day of that evening, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Hmm. Hiding out. (laughs) They crucified their leader. They forgot he said he would be raised up in three days. Sometimes those things can give you strength if you reflect on them. And I think that's why Jesus preached it over and over and over again to them. How many times did he tell them that he had to suffer many things, be put to death, but be raised up on the third day? Nobody believed him. And so he had to go into that understanding that these people had to come to a knowledge of his resurrection. So that's part of salvation. You must believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. You can't have a dead savior. He has to have power over death. If you're going to have power over death and go to heaven you have to have a savior that mastered over that and was raised from the dead himself. So he says here, and they they were they were at fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, "Peace be unto you." Now that word "peace" is a covenant term. It's a term that means your sins and your iniquities I remember no more. That's what peace is. 
see when you have peace with somebody you don't remember what they did you're not waiting to get an opportunity to mention it to them you're not waiting to get an opportunity to to mention you know somebody's behavior and that kind of stuff you know the arrogance of people you know sometimes you um you know, I'll hear Christians say things like, "Well, well, so and so will remember when they first came here." And they, oh, spare me. Mm-hmm. Remember when you first came, and you're not much different now. You were a gossip then. You're a gossip now. You got me. See, that's wrong. It's wrong. Totally wrong for believers. I got so convicted about that. You know, uh, I was I was reading the Duggars book about you know how people will pigeonhole and and box others in and don't want to take them out of our boxes that we put people in. And when we have to, then we judge. You know, oh, they've improved a lot. Well, who are you to judge that? Are you God? What are, what are you judging people on? What's your standard? It's wrong. It's foolish and it's wrong. And it's arrogant. Like you, you're sitting in a judgment seat. Like you're pure that you can judge everybody. It's not our job. Our job is to serve not to judge folks. But I was reading the Duggars book. And they don't let the kids tattle on each other. Now how common is it for people to look at other people's behavior. And then go report it to somebody else. Hmm? They want to tell somebody what somebody else did. And they tell tell them. Scripture says if you have something against somebody. You go to them first. Hmm? Now I've held that as a standard in the ministry. All who know me know I don't let you come to me gossiping about what somebody did wrong to you. Well now we're bigger than that. Because I believe that if it's serious enough you will go to that person. But most times it's not. Because if it's not a big enough deal for you to go to them, then why are you bringing it to me? Let's not be foolish here. But they don't. They don't even. In the, even the little toddlers don't get to tattle on anybody. They have to go to them and talk to them about it as best they can. And they're, they're you know, not many words. <laughs> but it's a standard. See, it's a biblical standard. It keeps strife. Division, contention, and and victimization out of a situation. Because if people think that you have mom and daddy's ear all the time and they believe you and not them, then that puts a, a victim. Somebody gets to be a victim and the other one gets to be a victor. And that's not God's kingdom. It's not God's kingdom. And so God wants us... <coughs> To freely forgive. So in our scripture here in verse 19 he said peace be unto you. And when he had so said he showed them his hands and his side. This is evidence of his resurrection. The same body that he was in has the same scars on it. So that's evidence of his resurrection. And he said they said to him uh uh, is, and when the disciples, they, then they were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be unto you again. As my father sent me, even so send I you. So in other words, what I told you from the beginning, 
even though y'all flipped on me blah 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 but we ain't gonna talk about that (laughs) see they knew what they had done they knew that they left the lord they knew all of that but he he acts as though it never happened he talks about the work that he called them to do from the beginning that work still continues you are not disqualified because of your sin you are not disqualified because of your betrayal you are not disqualified because you denied me and so he says even though as the father has sent me so send I you and when he said this he breathed on them and said to them receive ye the Holy Ghost for the remission of sins for the remission of sins only receive ye the Holy Ghost whoever sins you remit they are remitted unto them and whoever sins you retain they are retained and I believe they're retained in you and that individual because God says that if you don't forgive them he won't forgive you and so if we can be free in forgiving do it freely do it without discrimination do it for everybody at all times do it quickly don't hold grudges don't hold anything sometimes we're offended by things that have nothing to do with us you can't understand who you are. You're a son of God. You carry the power of God. Which makes you an enemy of everybody in the world that doesn't feel the same way. So you're here surrounded by enemies all the time. Why would you take it personally when somebody doesn't like quote unquote you? Because you don't know who you are being at that time. You got me? You don't know if, if a lot of you is showing through. You don't know if more of God is showing through than than you think. Just a thought. You ain't sure who they're reacting to. You know there are times when the Holy Spirit will make your presence prominent to people. And you don't really sense the tangible presence of God on you. He'll just show them something. Or cause a remembrance of something to come to people. I remember uh, being in a, uh, this was years ago before we even started. I think even before I started the ministry. I was doing a newsletter I think for women's ministry. And I was I went to a copy place, you know, where they they had you make your own copies and so forth and so on. It took a long time to get it done because I would have to copy some, shrink it, cut and paste. You know, you're trying to do all this by hand stuff. They did do it by a computer now. It just wasn't possible then. But I was determined to get the uh, newsletter done, and I had. Many times I would stay almost till closing, you know, or something like that. And so I came in. It was about a maybe like 20 minutes to closing. I was going to copy something. And so um, this one girl that worked there, she always claimed to be a Christian. She was always talking about her, her church and so forth and so on. And so anyway, I came in and she was livid don't you come in here I gotta leave I said well I'm real sorry I said but I got some stuff to do I said you don't close for another 20 minutes I've been waiting to get you in here so I can tell you off I said really I said well if that makes your day I said I feel real bad for you I said aren't you supposed to be a Christian I said we're supposed to be working for the same side 
I said, but I tell you what. I said, you won't have to worry about me coming in here again, devil. <laughs> I said, because there's tons of places like this. I said, and I will tell your boss. I said, you don't own this place. You just work here. And so after that, then I think Pastor Shirley went in, and she's real nice to Pastor Shirley. How's your sister doing? Uh-huh, old devil. But see, the devil will just flare up in people. And see, many times she handled some of the things that I was working on, see, and she knew what it was. Well, if we're both Christians, why don't you like this? Why don't you encourage me? Why don't you try harder to help me? See, there's Christianity and there's Christianity. You got me? There's real believers and there's fake believers. There's half believers. There's unbelievers and there's devils. And so, you know, you take your pick. But, but things like that will expose people. And you know it kind of hurt me. The words hurt. But then after a while I just realized you know she don't dislike me. And what do I care anyway. You know what I'm saying. I'm going to go on and serve God anyway. But still you, I had to stop and forgive her. I said God you know I forgive this girl. And I never told her boss I wasn't going to tell her. But you know that said that in that moment. Because I wanted to put her on notice that she wasn't doing, so she didn't have any power over me. You got me? You don't let people think, don't let the devil think he's got power over you. You know, now it's good to hold your peace sometimes, but you know when you're talking to a devil, you got me? And you put him in his place. So anyway, he says, receive the Holy Ghost, whoever sends you remit their remit who's ever you retain so you have to be the one to initiate the forgiveness you got me you've got to be the one to initiate it and make sure that you use the power of God correctly and so uh, Jesus blessed them with that left them with that with that peace and he was able to allow them to go about with that empowerment of the Holy Spirit now there was another empowerment that was given to them where they received the cleansing you got me forgiveness cleanses as priests if you're going to do the work you have to have the garment to do the work so there's if you look at the old covenant when the priests would go into the holy place they would cleanse themselves they had pots there or pans with water for the symbolic cleansing it wasn't a real but it was symbolic of what was happening but they also wore garments for their work and so that garment of course we know is the baptism in the Holy Spirit Jesus said go wait until you are endued with power the endowment is the garment and so they were able to live free from sin through forgiveness through their personal relationship with God through forgiveness of sins but then for the priesthood to go into all the world and preach the gospel they needed the endowment so that's in Luke 24 Baptist people call what we just read the Bethany experience which is pretty much all they ever experience but Paul would ask people have you received since you believed man when you believe Christ you believe him for everything so he was wanting people to receive everything that the Lord had provided for them 
Your believers in Christ receive this as well. You got me? People fight so much not to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a big fight against that. In Luke 24 verse 46. It says, Thus it is written, and, it, the, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. That's what we're allowed to preach. Repentance and remission of sins in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send you the promise of my father upon you but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be clothed with power from on high so that is the priesthood being established through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to endue somebody means to clothe them so you've got the internal working of the Holy Spirit for remission of sins but you still need the clothing to complete your priesthood now God will work with you wherever your level of faith is that's how people who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit can share their testimony or share Christ with other individuals but they only receive as much as you give them see such as you have you give people you can't give them what you don't have so it's good to get the clothing the true priesthood garments so that you are endued with power from on high you can do the works of God Mark 16, 17, and 18 tells us these signs shall follow all who believe. Amen. In my name they'll cast out devils. Amen and amen. So <clears throat> that's the impartiality of God's forgiveness. The other thing his forgiveness is, is it is everlasting forgiveness. It never quits forgiving never quits forgiving in Matthew 18 you see that established Jesus even was establishing that during his earthly walk with his disciples you see Peter trying to set a limit on how much you're supposed to forgive people huh? you see if I have the right thing oh I'm sorry Matthew 18 did I say Luke Matthew alright Matthew 18 verse 21 then came Peter to him and said Lord how often shall my brother sin against me so he probably pointing at the dragged his brother right with him and I forgive him seven times you know that's a religious spirit answer seven is always God's number of perfection so he thinks well if I do it seven times that's enough Jesus said to him not only to you until seven times but seventy times seven Hmm? and that's in one day if you need to so that seventy times seven (laughs) tells you your forgiveness should be impartial uninterrupted you shouldn't even think about it you shouldn't think about holding a grudge against anybody you shouldn't think about trying to get even with it you shouldn't think about trying to remember all the details of the offense you got me there's no court to go to where you need to remember details that court's been canceled you got me and so it's it's 
good to train yourself to instantly forgive and forgive everybody about everything even if they step on your toe for the umpteenth time huh <laughs> it's good it's a good habit to get into so was that Matthew 18 70 times 7 so it's an everlasting forgiveness in 1st John 2 1 it says if we sin we have an advocate with the father amen so we have somebody who goes to bat for us and speaks up for us on our behalf he speaks on our behalf after we confess he speaks up on our behalf to the father and tells him to continue to use us continue to bless us don't hold back on anything the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us as a helper so Jesus intercedes as an advocate and the Holy Spirit intercedes as a helper he helps us to get our prayer to heaven and then once it's there we have an advocate who goes to bat for us to establish us back in the will of the father again there's no such thing as because you've messed up so much God has a lesser plan for your life it's really not but you know what people get themselves boxed into that mentality because they can't conceive of God being that loving and that forgiving that's why they mess up to begin with they don't really know the love of God as something to protect and hold on to you know people commit adultery and I tell people I say honey it's so easy to get married I mean stay married and stay faithful you just don't think about it anymore there are certain things you don't entertain in your thought life anymore when people stray away from God it's because they haven't told themselves I don't think about that's not for me anymore they don't draw the line themselves you need to draw a line in your thinking you need to draw a line in your wishing draw a line in your mental activity if you draw that line you won't have to get caught up in that nonsense you know Billy Graham you never hear that man stealing money being suspected of stealing money he put himself under the authority of a governing group of people who have the best interests of the whole world in mind not just one person you can get assurance of you know against nonsense if you if you think about it people in the world do better sometimes managing finances than that you know they have a board of directors they have a board everybody's got a board of everything but that's an insurance that the the intent of that organization will be carried out to the letter and it won't be left falling through the cracks you got me and so it's it's important to have lines drawn limits established things that you do that you don't go beyond you got me that's that's the way God intends for us to live so we have an advocate and we have a helper we need them both we need them both the other thing is that God's forgiveness is complete he forgives all sins now there's an exception Jesus talked about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and that's in Matthew 12 
Jesus is assuming you won't be crazy enough to do that. But the Holy Spirit being the one who seals your salvation. If you don't make friends with him you're not saved anyway. You got me? And so in Matthew 18. I'm sorry 12 verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you. Now the way this came up is that. Jesus cast out a devil and the Pharisees accused him of doing that under the power of the devil. And Jesus told now think about what you just said. If the devil casts himself out his kingdom's divided. How's he getting his work done through you? Well you must have said that you know what I'm saying. He says by whom do your children cast him out? If if Beelzebub is casting out devils, and you know, therefore they shall be your judges. He said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God or by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come near to you. He says, also, uh, he said, wherefore in verse thirty one, I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. He says, even if you blaspheme against the Son of Man. He said that will be forgiven. He said but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall never be forgiven unto men. Mainly because the Holy Spirit is the one who seals you unto the day of redemption. He is the one who ignites your spirit to be born again. He is so active in your salvation that if you don't make friends with him you're lost. Period. And so Jesus warns them. Now what does that word blasphemy mean? It's you know, it just means to to uh speak evil against someone. It also means to injure, hurt, to chide or hinder. It also means to vilify or to rail against. And you'll see some religious people that are very, very adamant about the Holy Spirit, and you know, it's, oh, that's that's not, oh. you know, you see some people play with the power of the Holy Spirit, mock it, you know, this business of laying anybody lay hands on you and you pretend to be slain in the Spirit—that's foolishness. See, you're on the edge then. That's it's that's that's not that's not correct. It's never correct to play around like that. Never. 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 This is real. And many people who don't have the real fake so much. They'll even fake being under the power of God if they can. You got me? And then try and imitate things that they see real believers do. Make fun of people who are really under the anointing you got me and these are Christians these are ministers ministers doing these kinds of things so everybody who claims that they have a good ministry you can't listen to this you know you've got to be discerning folks that's why we're talking about this so uh, Matthew Matthew 12 31 is that where we are Okay, he says it will all be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Ghost won't be forgiven unto men. Hebrews 9.14 tells us that when God forgives us he purges our consciences from dead works. 
That means every sin that you've ever committed, I don't care how bad you felt about it at one time, it's been purged from your your conscience. You got me? So your conscience can't really hinder you. As a forgiven person, your conscience shall not hinder you against doing the will of God. They can't do it once you, and if it does, then you go, you stay before God until you get it done. You got me? Some people don't stay like they get part of something and run off like they got everything, and then the devil whops you over the head with something when you get out. Stay with it until you're reassured about that. Stay with those things and in the presence of God until you know that you know that you know that you know. So that your steps aren't halting. When God tells you to do something, he wants you to step out sure-footed and do it. He doesn't want you thinking about, well, maybe I can, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe nothing. Maybe you get sure-footed and get out there. (laughs) All right. The other thing, his forgiveness is restorative. Wow, if we could get that. We wouldn't be so scared of getting back with people that we've separated from. I'm telling you, sometimes your estranged loved ones, all they need to be is forgiven in the restoration. They won't be so afraid of being around you and get restored. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are dead, forgiven, forgotten. They have no power Everything's new. I looked at my hands. My hands was new. <laughs> looked at my feet, and they was too. True. Revelation twenty-one five says that he makes all things new. You don't like the old? Ask him for the new new edition of it. God, I don't like my old whatever. Let me have your new edition of it for me. So he has reconciled us to himself and has in addition given us the ministry of reconciliation. So he restored us to a place now through him we can reconcile others. To reconcile means that all debts are wiped off the books. Nothing standing between us and another individual anymore. So he's given us a ministry of reconciliation through enduing us with power from on high. In Romans 8.1 it tells us there's no condemnation to us when we're in Christ Jesus. All you got to do is get up and keep walking after the spirit. I tell people when they, well I don't know what's, what's taking so long. I say, uh-uh, get up and keep walking after the spirit. Get out of that thing. Get out of, who told you to sit off at the sidelines and wonder? You got to get up and keep walking. That's where God is. He's in the going forward. He's not in the sitting back down. The other thing that forgiveness of God does, it fills us with hope. Gives us a new hope, a blessed hope. All the things you used to hope for have been done away with. Now everything's new, so you have a new hope. Hebrews six eleven. We'll turn there. We have an assurance of eternal life. We are sure about it. We're not wavering. We're not hoping. We're not praying to the man upstairs. He is our father and he has a home prepared for us where we will go and live with him eternally. Got everything new for us there. 
in Hebrews 6 starting in verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You have a full assurance of hope. You don't lose assurance of your salvation to the last day that you're here. You have it. That you be not slothful but followers of of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So that's your hope is your inheritance. You know that what you're believing God for is real. And that he will give it to you if you hold out in your hope unto the end. He said when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself. Saying surely. It's a covenant term without fail. Blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I'll multiply you. So then after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise. Uh, Underline patiently endured. Wasn't on the edge of his seat biting his nails. He did that for a minute but God helped him with that. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath of confirmation is always the end of strife. Whenever you you shake hands on something the dickering is over. You know you come to an agreement on it. It says wherein God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two unchangeable things which made it impossible for God to lie. God locked himself into a promise that made it impossible for him to lie. Not because he didn't trust himself but he needed to prove himself to us. You got me? And he says in, in, in that who have that uh, we might have a strong consolation that means you're not worried and fretful who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us so there is a hope of eternal life set before us that we lay hold on because of his forgiveness because it's thorough for us it's eternal and it gives us hope unto the end of this age and also over into the next world this hope is carried over eternally and we have this hope as an anchor of our souls you're not thinking you don't go through life being saved for 20 years and think one day you're not saved you don't do that this thing anchors you and keeps you locked into understanding God loves you he's here for me there's always hope for me I can have what he promised me he's, that, that promise has not been canceled because of age because of years because of nothing like that or whatever it is you think people cancel on you for God hasn't canceled it to you it's still there for you and so the 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 forgiveness of God gives hope way over into eternal life anybody can be saved anybody wants to pray get you pray for somebody pray with the Holy Ghost let him guide your prayers shock you what God will do for people it'll shock you sometimes Ephesians 2.12 it tells you that people who are in the world are without hope. They're without hope and without God in the world. And this is what they need. Forgiveness gives them hope. It does all of this. So we can go forward without any remembrance of sin. Because when Christ is in us because we're forgiven that is the hope of glory. See that's the hope of great things to come. So that God won't have to we don't have to fear God shortchanging us. When when we have difficulties as believers God didn't bring that to you. 
That's not a result of him not wanting you to have something or not trusting you or anything like that. But it's often the result of our not forgiving ourselves in understanding that we can reach out for these things. So this is the first place that we've got to start. We've got to start accepting and embracing God's forgiveness for ourselves. And let it work the great things he wants us to have at work in our lives. Amen. And we extend it on to other people. Praise God. Father we thank you for allowing us the opportunity. To know that we 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 are forgiven, restored, full of hope, full of encouragement. That we have been blessed beyond measure because of the eternal gift of eternal life and the eternal sacrifice of Christ. Father let us be mindful to extend that to others today and every day. As we walk through this earth and we thank you for it Father in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer come on.